What's going on, everybody? Hope you're doing well and staying healthy. On the next episode of Society Rewired, we have a special guest, Gretchen Gometer, on the show. She comes on to discuss how having a child who battled cancer at a young age impacted her directly as well as her family as a whole. Gretchen's an amazing person with a unique story that you're going to love. Make sure to check it out. But before diving in, we want to make sure to thank our sponsors as well. Uh, First, Rayfeld's Art and Framing, located in downtown Sioux Falls, South Dakota, one of the premier art galleries in the Midwest. Make sure to stop in and check out their new location on Phillips near the falls or online at rayfeldsonline.com. Audiovisual Integrations has all your latest technologies to meet your commercial audio video needs. Check them out online at fosses-avi.com. Laura Hayes Communication. Laura is a fantastic resource if you're looking for professional development with live online workshops, speaking engagements, and consulting. You really can't go wrong with Laura Hayes Communications. If you're interested, check out the website at laurahayes.com. Rocky Hayes Design. If you're looking for graphic design, website development, or business development resources, make sure to give them a call or check them out online at rockyhayes.com. Last but not least, our affiliate organization, Survivors Joining for Hope. SJ4H is here to help families financially after they have lost a loved one by suicide. They help cover unexpected expenses such as funeral costs, burial fees, and grief counseling. Check them out online at sj4h.org or on all social media platforms. All right, everybody, let's get rolling with Society Rewired. Welcome to Society Rewired. I am your host, Brad Hurst. With me, as always, the man, the myth, the gracious co-host of all, Jerry Cook. You didn't say luxurious. (laughs) We were talking before that that word came out, so I I told him I was going to bust the gut if he said it. So no, there was no welcome. Thank you, Brad. There was no luxurious. (laughs) I debated. It threw me for a loop because that's what was going through my head: is don't say luxurious, don't say luxurious. And I didn't. So, what's going on today? Uh, I don't know, man. It's a beautiful. What do we have? A Sunday morning. Sunday here in morning. South Dakota. Icy roads. Uh, a little bit. Where, well, I didn't try. I got. I got to wake up and roll out of bed and sit in my living room recording studio. That's true. So, well, with us, a very special guest, a member of Survivors Joining for Hope's board. I almost said our organization's name wrong there for a second. I stuttered through. <laughs> Careful. It. Yeah, not I know. enough coffee this morning. <laughs> no kidding. Gretchen Gometer, Gometer, Gometer. Oh Gometer. my gosh, I'm sorry. That's fine. I'll answer to whatever. Yeah. How are you? Good. Good morning. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thanks for driving out. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a couple different things today, but I'm going to focus around kind of challenges of parenting, mm-hmm. what it's like to go through some challenges with that, some struggles. So I'm glad you're here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Can I give a can I first give a shout out and do a good parent thing to my Absolutely. daughter? Well, of course. Who allowed me to come here today on her fourteenth birthday. So happy Whoa. birthday, Elise. Happy birthday. Discuss. Happy birthday. Yeah. And for those of you that aren't from South Dakota, fourteen's a big birthday here because that's when you can legally drive legally with a restricted drive. license. Yep. Which so is still day. bizarre to me. It's a little scary. <laughs> so is it is it learner's permit? Yes, so you can get your restricted learner's permit at 14, which I ensured, I, I assured my daughter that she would not be driving at 14, <laughs> but she could learn to drive at 14, but she could not 
Well, that's a terrifying yeah. challenge as a parent in general. I'm not even close to that stage oh. yet, but <laughs> I guess I'm closer than I think I am. He's my son's eight, so oh, yeah. he's gonna be nine. Mm-hmm. So in South yeah, Dakota, that's a lot closer fast. than you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't it like twelve on a farm or something? You can. It's something crazy. Yeah, when you I know start. when I moved here from because I've moved a lot. We were just talking about this actually earlier this morning that um, I've moved quite a bit in my in my life and in. On the West Coast or the East Coast, you can't drive until you're like 16 to even get your permit. Right, right. And most people don't drive till they're 17, 18. Yeah, that's St. Louis is somewhere where I kind of hailed from mm-hmm. technically. But yeah, here you can drive a tractor at 11 or 12, I think. <sighs> Crazy. So I, I never had the opportunity to drive a tractor, so I don't know what that's even like. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of grew up partially on a farm, on my grandparents' farm, and it's it's a blast. It's so nice. It's cool. Get out there. You got this huge machine that you can like yeah. move dirt and, you know, like yeah. <laughs> powerful. Yeah, I don't it's even cool. think I saw a tractor until I was like 14. Oh, man. Like yeah. in in the wild, I suppose. In the wild. <laughs> we have lots of wild tractors in South Dakota. Reminds me of the Cars movie. You watched <laughs> yeah. that. The third, up, third movie has Cars is in the wild, basically. So they're like animals. They're like cows, basically. The tractors are cows. So <laughs> side note, as a parent, I've watched that movie probably 12, 12 to 15 times this week. So that's why that comes up. But House of boys. The boys are good. So yeah, I guess context-wise, I guess, you know, I have three little boys. I have an eight, three, and two-year-old. But why don't you kind of dive into what you're... Yeah, so I have, um, like we said, Elise, a 14-year-old. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. 14. Um, she's an eighth grader. And then I have my, I have two girls. Amelia is 10 and she is a fourth grader. Jeez. Wow. I know. It's a quick trip. Anymore? You. <laughs> you. Done. All dead. We are done. Done. I don't oh, know. Are you in yeah, for myself? For you, Jerry? Yeah, I'm actually older, so I started yeah. pretty young. Yeah. So my daughter's actually 29, which mm-hmm. is crazy. So again, that, that time flies mm-hmm. so fast. So yeah, lots of different challenges there too, but interesting stuff. So we were talking before a little bit about like the two girls, you know, 10 and 14. Mm-hmm. What's maybe some of the things that you've gone through or that, you know, as, as we're talking about parenting, mm-hmm. you know, you go through all these different stages, obviously you've got the baby stage and the young mm-hmm. stage. And now you're getting into the teen and preteen oh. stages. Like, uh, you know, what, what do you, what are some of the things you want to talk about or share? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I, but I was just thinking about, I remember when they were really little and you know, the challenges of having an all girls house, like even our dog is a girl. And, and my husband was just like, Oh, I'm in a house <laughs> of girls. And I remember talking to somebody who, when, uh, when, when my kids were little and she's like, I have she had four boys at the time sure. and the, the innate differences in our house is she said everything in her house is a weapon, like everything <laughs> with, they the, just, boys. with the boys, weapon. everything in her house. And I'm like, well, everything in my house gets put to bed. Like the silverware gets tucked inside the napkins. Hmm. It gets put to bed. Like just the innate differences of having, yeah, we you know, don't have that. there's no the different houses. <laughs> yeah. Our house yeah, is you're, yeah, you're three boys. Too. Yeah. WrestleMania. Smackdown, yeah. Raw, it's it's as Russell, it's Russell twenty four seven fighting, no. screaming. Man, if someone takes a toy that the other one mm-hmm. wants or thinks that they want after the person, the other child picks it up, then it's mm-hmm. a battle royale. Battle royale. Yeah. It's, it's the three year old and two year old are just chasing each other because they're only about sixteen months apart, so they are just best of friends. They can be best of friends, but most of the time they're the arguing frenemies. with each other. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. 
And the three-year-old looks up to the eight-year-old, so he wants the eight-year-old's attention mm-hmm. a lot. And then the two-year-old, it's just a vicious cycle, but it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know. So we have the opposite situation where my wife's in a house of boys, so mm-hmm. she does have a female corgi. So well, there you go. There's so you at least another some, yeah. There's some, there like, is some, some feminine touch with the yeah. dog. <laughs> I guess, but yeah, our house is just. I mean, we've damaged trim, paint, corners. Mm-hmm. Like my son's, my three-year-old's riding a Strider, and so since oh, it's yeah. winter, he rides in the great. house. Yeah, those are great. They're awesome. So he's learning really quick, but yeah. yeah. You know, like he clips a corner too short and I'm losing drywall. So it's, it's, <laughs> I just, it's the, just the other day. Mm-hmm. Like we, when we buy furniture, I'm kind of like, is this going to last more than two years? It's maybe I should spend less money. Like it's <laughs> See, and things are destroyed in your house and everything in my house as it gets destroyed is covered with paint or glitter. Oh yeah. I don't glitter and makeup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> makeup. There glitter is... and Play-Doh are my oh. two nemesis from having young kids. Oh. Play-Doh glitter. everywhere. Glitter mm. everywhere. Man. I heard somebody, somebody describe the virus that, you know, this, this pandemic and, and, and a virus as in you're all in a craft, you're, 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 you're having an art show or a craft day and one person has glitter. How many projects now have glitter? Yeah. That is every, how to describe single. every single one of them. So, um, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's a great way to describe, uh, this virus to kids, yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. when you're yeah. doing this, how many projects now have glitter? They yeah. they all have glitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone has glitter. Well, we feel yeah. great. We've kind of evolved from Play-Doh, so we use kinetic sand now. Play-Doh is oh, almost like a, that's a grace for us. Where yeah, the kinetic sand, like I just find it in like little pieces everywhere. So it's it's that's mm-hmm. been our nemesis inside nice. our household. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Or Play-Doh, I'm like, at least dries up and I can pick it up. Connect right. sand stays nice and wet. And I <laughs> I made cloud sand, which is very similar when my kids were really little. Because, yep. you know, I was that mom who had the time to, like, make stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I still don't understand. But um, that's, it's so amazing. It's so good for sensory and, yep. and oh, figuring sure, out. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even as an adult, I find myself sitting there playing with it. When the kids are gone, I'm like, what am I doing? Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> I got to get back. I got things to do. Where are the kids? I don't even know where they're at anymore. Oh, we went through the a slime right phase, too. I'm a sorry. slime phase? Oh, a slime, slime, yeah. Okay, moms, I'm telling you this right now. Here's a tip from a mom who has been there. If your children are making slime, invest in white vinegar, just straight white vinegar, because it will break down the polymers and take slime out of anything. There you go. Ooh. Tip. Yep. It's all about the polymers. We're not just so a podcast. We're science. a craft show. We're a craft show, right? So <laughs> no, we solved the slime problem. But if we could all come up with an, a, a glitter containing machine, oh, I still haven't we figured would that be one out. Like if anybody, yeah. If anybody has like a it, vacuum, let me know. Like sealed room where it's like. I don't. I don't even <sighs> think that works, man. I don't know. Like glitter's got some special, some special mojo to <laughs> mm-hmm. it that like it hides. And sticks to yep. everything. No, it's true. I'm gonna come over to your house sometime with a little thing of glitter and just sprinkle it around like pixie dust. Oh, you have to do just like leave it in a corner. You wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, Eventually, one... <laughs> one kid would find it, and boom, it's and everywhere. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Of course, they'd probably throw it at the other kid and be like an explosion, but <laughs> it might be worth a YouTube video if you can get it timed right. But so, well, I guess you know, kind of. Dive a little bit deeper. Obviously, we focus on mental wellness, kind of taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. We uh, know kind of boundaries on the conversation, and and yeah. you've experienced some some challenging times. And do we kind of kind of dive into like your background as a parent and sure. some of the things you've gone through? Sure. Well, let's see. Let's start in the background uh, for me. Is I am I have a degree in nursing. 
And so I was a nurse for about 10 years before I chose and became a stay-at-home mom, which in itself brought some challenges with figuring out who I was as as a stay-at-home mom and trying not to say, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Like that that just in front of it really um, devalued what I did. You know, it, it really did. So I tried really hard to just be like, yep, I'm a stay-at-home mom now. But from somebody who was a critical care nurse who had all kinds of people asking me for advice right. and asking me to start IVs and to, what do you think about this EKG and what do you think about this? You know, it it. I was now at home watching the Wiggles and, you know, shout out to the old school Wiggles. Yep. Um, (laughs) Shout out to the Wiggles. Yeah. Oh, the Wiggles were great. (laughs) Anyway. uh, But it was, it was a hard thing just mentally, physically for me to go, I am now a stay at home mom and, and trying to just keep my brain from just falling out of my ears sometimes was a challenge in itself. No, it's true. I think it's even for myself. So when my Mm -hmm. wife, she decided to start staying home with the kids, it was, Mm -hmm. You know, people ask me, what does your wife do? Like, she's a homemaker. Like, it's, it's, you got to make sure like you position it correctly because you can Mm -hmm. easily kind of devalue that. And I can say, I can't do it. I I could never, because you're working 24 seven, Mm -hmm. basically it doesn't ever stop. And at least with my normal job, I kind of have like a beginning and an end and I can take a break (laughs) in the middle. And if I'm angry, I could scream, um, which probably isn't a good form of parenting, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And I think, you know, as I watch her go through that, she definitely deals with just as much stress, if not more stress than I deal with even mm-hmm. in my professional life. Well, and the thing to remember is that you, and I'm speaking specifically from the husband wife dynamic, because that's what I know, mm-hmm. but the, the, when you as the spouse leave to go to your nine to five, eight to four, whatever job, um, you physically leave your house, you go to your office or your place of work, and then you come home to your home, which is not your place of work. And you have to remember that then your spouse that is staying at home is always at her place of work. Yep. Yeah. And so it's, that's a, that's a good point. It's so important to like Bryce, um, gives me, we've, we've already talked about this, that if I need, if I'm going to be off work, then I physically have to be out of the house. house. (laughs) And sometimes, so a couple weekends a year, he lets me just leave for the weekend. And I say let's because, you know, it, it, we have the conversation, (laughs) but I, but I leave because I need to not be a mom for three days, you know, a week there, you know, at some point during the year, I just need to physically be off duty. We say let's in our household. So it's, but because I, I let her go because I can't do it by myself. So right. it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I have to like prep like the grandparents. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, Sarah's leaving. Mm-hmm. It might only be for four hours, but just be aware. Brad's got the emergency contact <laughs> list rolling. In, like, she's going to lunch with her friends. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, let's mm-hmm. get ready. I need the emergency numbers, <laughs> emergency responders in place. So, um, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a fabulous play. Mm-hmm. I've never even, I mean, that'd be good to implement in our household, I think, just making sure, because I didn't even think about, you know, you're always in your place of work. And if I was always, always. in my place of work, which is kind of a challenge now that everyone's working from home too, because I feel like mm-hmm. with my office being there, I, it's it's easier for me to go down there. So I mm-hmm. do kind of feel like I'm not necessarily always at my place of work, but it's more readily available. Mm-hmm. So I have a little more stress. So I guess from a, you know, a stay at home mom's perspective, it would be, you know, you're, you're never gone. So that's, that's a really interesting because it's from a like kind of a decompression perspective, I think leaving would be a tremendous kind of mm-hmm. 
kind of way to alleviate some of that stress. How did you, um, so maybe one of the things too, like tips and tricks for coping with that. And then also, I think it might be important to give a little background on your spouse because he probably is very proactive and you guys are probably proactive based on what he does. Right. So my husband is a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So, um, we always say we try and keep the crazy in. I try and keep the crazy in. Otherwise, my husband, you know, is like, do you need to go see somebody? No, <laughs> I am fine. But um, yeah, so it, he really is. He really is great in the fact that I can just say, I need a break. I need a break. And he goes, OK. And, and there's not a lot of conversation about. Uh, in fact, I have to give him props. I have never heard him say, no, nope, I need you not to do that. I need you home. He's always like, he understands when I say, I need, I need to leave. Right. I, I physically need to leave my house. And he's also great about me going, I have to go and pick up my friend because I need to save a marriage and take her from her house. Yeah. You know, that sort yeah. of thing. He's, he's always just been great about knowing when I need time off. Well, I guess and the communication is important too, because if Very. you don't say that you need a break, because mm-hmm. even like that's been a, been a conversation in our house in the past. Where I'm like, you need to kind of tell me when you mm-hmm. need a break or when you want to take a break or, you know, just kind of let me know when you're wearing down. Cause I, when I start to see it, it's already past the point mm-hmm. of kind of like <laughs> we've, we've gone too far at that point when I recognize it and start to see it kind of physically. So it's, I think it's really awesome that you have that kind of communication mm-hmm. in place to have that conversation. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I, I got a good one. <laughs> I'll keep him. We're almost 20 years. We're 20 years in. So yeah, I'll keep him. We're seven. So <laughs> we got some learning to do. Ah, uh, wow. Rook. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> Rookie, right, right. Jeez. I know. Uh, yes. Yeah. So what are some other things maybe that, you know, we had talked um, about obviously the girl's age and is there specific things with age dynamics that you're sure. going through? I mean, like, I think it's great that you guys take breaks and you take mm-hmm. breaks because that is such a big thing. And then even having the mental shift of saying, hey, we recognize home mm-hmm. as my workplace, mm-hmm. so I do need to get myself out there. I mean, those are, they they might seem very small, but they're very significant they things are. too. They are. And, you know, when we talk about how um, it's, it's important to, you know, you want your workspace to be functional and to be clean and to be, so when I say I am drowning, you can, you know, you can see like, and, and we'll talk about this. I think, I think we want to touch on this, but at different points in my life when I've had different things happen, cause we've had some significant things happen with our children and, and just where you're in, um, survival mode is kind of what right. we, we talk about. And so I'm like, don't look in my closets because my closets are what my brain is going through right now. They're just full and they're to the maximum capacity because if people come over, sometimes you just shove it in a closet and you're like, okay, it looks good on the surface. And I think that we feel that way a lot. Like we can look good on the surface and then our brains are full and our <laughs> emotions a, are full. Absolutely. Such a great analogy. And no, it, it is. It just in is. Don't look in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a yeah. lot. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's powerhouse would be in some sense. My wife would probably shoot me for saying that, but I mean, some of our closets are just like our closet specifically, mm-hmm. just, we kind of have stuff crammed in there. Yeah. There's no organization and, and definitely that's, it's, you know, people come over, you do try to clean up and make things look as clean as possible. Cause you don't want matchbox cars and Legos mm-hmm. all just spread everywhere. <laughs> Cause people just, you know, get the wrong person. They're going to fall down the stairs. If you and have a lawsuit on your hands there. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, my wife, like she loves cleaning and that's a big part of her job. And, and sometimes she even struggles to let me mm-hmm. clean. I'm like, just let me like, 
I mean, let me do the dishes. Let me take the trash out. Let me vacuum. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a, or even me telling her like, just stop cleaning. Like the house is fine. Like just relax. Yeah. Like that's a big challenge for her. It sure. is sometimes hard to downshift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's, and I'm off sit. work now. You need to relax a little bit. Like <laughs> It is hard for me to not resent when I find my husband like sleeping, you know, <laughs> taking a nap. And I'm like, I haven't taken a nap since like. 2007. Like, come on, man. You know, I I mean, I know that's an exaggeration, but it's, it is hard for me to go, okay, I have to downshift a lot because I have to, I have to stop and go, nope, he works and he is the breadwinner. Although he's never made me feel like it's his money. And you know, I mean, that's another huge thing when you have one income Yep. as to, to have the communication of it is now our money and you as the stay at home parent are contributing to the house, right? Mm-hmm. You you are contributing, and so while while you might not go out and have that, you know, ten ninety nine or whatever at the end of the year, you have you have contributed to that money. You have oh. contributed to that income. I Absolutely. think one thing too is you contribute financially by not having the expense of childcare, yes. which yeah. is massively yes. expensive. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one thing too, which is great that you guys, you know, everything's kind of equal and mm-hmm. there's, there's no like financial mm-hmm. animosity there or whatever. Cause I can definitely build mm-hmm. with people if they don't have the right perspective on mm-hmm. things. And so that's, that's great. Well, we did have, we did have, when he was in medical school, I was the only person working. So yeah. we did have where I was the sole income while he was going to school. So, so we did have that, that shift sure. where, so that was helpful too. What do you think about it? Just from a, if you have well, I have three kids, so I mean, and daycare ranges anywhere from about one hundred and eighty to one hundred and thirty-five dollars per week per child. I think based mm-hmm. off of their age, right? I mean, you add that up over time, and I was, we've had the conversation where, if, do you want to go back to work? You know, from a daycare perspective, you need to make at least mm-hmm. X for mm-hmm. us to kind of break even, and it's not worth it. And it's not worth it. It's kind of like you know, I'd rather she'd rather have that time with the kids, rather have mm-hmm. our family kind of you know grow up together. Let, you know, not be a separate, don't have to deal with all necessarily illnesses, although I'm sure it helps with the immune system. And then, but it did create a lot of convenience with COVID for us. I mean, we were kind of almost already prepped for it because we didn't have to make any transitions. Everyone was already home Mm -hmm. and could just kind of keep the ball rolling a little bit. So it made that Mm -hmm. a little bit easier, but it's probably hard for Sarah though. She has the fourth child at home now. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah. Gretchen, you want to host a podcast <laughs> with me? <laughs> we should do Moms Rewired. Yeah, there we'll you just go. Yeah. Rewired. We'll just, we'll just hold there it. Let's do hold a Jerry hold. Rewired episode. <laughs> um, you know that I was, I had thought about something when you said that, and then I just, yep, totally it left. left. It was too deep. Mm. That's what I always say. It was Ooh. just too deep in there that I can't, like, bring it back to the surface. It was way back it's in the back of the closet. Way back there, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Or go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say that you mentioned the, the income and, and kind of transitioning from our money to my money. And that's mm-hmm. even times there's just, there's still kind of like flashbacks where I'm like, well, I spent so much money today and I'm like, wait, our money, not my money. And that, that is, I mean, just mm-hmm. from a, from a different perspective, that is a challenge just to kind of get used to. And it's, it's cause we kind of combine things right away. And mm-hmm. I know there's lots of couples that keep things separate and we just kind of went mm-hmm. forward and threw everything in there. And it's, it's, but when she stopped working, it was kind of like. I got to make sure I kind of coordinate. My word choice was, was key for our yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. So sure. It sure. is words matter. And I don't think people realize that it's just how you shift your conversation, yep. how you shift the, the, the words, 
you know, and we're learning a lot now with like pronouns and I mean, like we're learning a lot with how we speak to other people and how we address other people and, and that it really does matter. And, and I think it matters in your home too, is how you look at things and, and, and the perspective of, of, uh, you know, who, what role is whose and that everybody has a role, but you know, that, that you talk about whose primary role this is. Right. Why is even as you get older, like as the kids move out of the house, that's kind of like, I can see there being challenges there. Have you thought about like what that's going to look like for you at all? Like once they're going to go back to work or it is interesting when, um, when both of the girls went to school, like full time, you know, um, and, and now they're really independent. Like if Bryce and I want to go out on a date, we're just like, we're not going to be home tonight. Don't burn the house down. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't burn the house down. we don't have to call somebody. We're just like, yeah. nope, we're home, you know? Yeah. And we're, we're just not going to be there. And, um, so we've said that I have achieved trophy wife status now oh. because I'm home <laughs> and for eight hours at yep. least, you know, without the kids, which trust me, it's a participation trophy. <laughs> it's not so much, but, um, it's interesting how many people ask me, well, what are you, are you, are you going back to work now yeah. that your kids are in school? And mm-hmm. no, because they almost need me more. Sure. Like this is my time. I've paid my dues on this end. And now I do get to have a few things that are self care for me. Yep. You know, yeah. I get to go and have lunch with some friends, you know, during the day or, um, that sort of thing. I can, I can do that now. And I, I just feel like, no, that was just me getting to this point. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's important for us to realize that even though our kids aren't home and we aren't running around after toddlers all the time, our kids still need us. Right. And they need us almost more as they get into that teenage stage where you need to, to remind them that, you know, you're not an adult yet. Right. (laughs) You you still need me. Getting ready for the day. Like, I mean, if you were worried about going to work. You know, having to make sure they have their lunches set up mm-hmm. or their money in place or their, you know, their instruments for school or the right things, just dropping things off that they forget. I mean, I'm sure there's ways that you get pulled into the middle of the day mm-hmm. without even expecting it. So, or if they come home sick or yeah. there's challenges from that perspective. So it's, I can see that being kind of an issue. So, um, well, I guess you have a very kind of heavy topic that you kind of went through and a challenge that you went through, I think, do you want to kind yeah, of sure, just elaborate I can. on that just a little bit sure. for us? Um, so I know earlier I kind of alluded to the survival mode and, um, it, when Amelia, my youngest was two and a half. So, um, March 13th, no, March 12th of 2013, um, she was diagnosed with pre B cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And which is, um, a blood cancer. And, uh, you know, we had a kind of backstory to the next question everybody asks is, well, how did you know? And even being medical, both my husband and I medical, it was, you did not look at your child and go, Oh, I bet she has cancer. <laughs> like you just, that right. wasn't something that you look right. at your two year old and go. But, um, so, uh, I would say maybe three to four weeks prior, I had been watching her and her color had sort of been off. I kept, you know, polling the audience. I kept polling people like, does her color look weird to you? Yeah. And she had this, uh, yellowy color to her. Now you don't looking back on it. She was cancer yellow. If anybody knows what that mm-hmm. like look looks like she, she was, and mm. I didn't catch that, huh. but, um, she would eat chalk like, uh, the sidewalk chalk, I would find her just eating chalk (laughs) 
And so I was like, well, I had just been diagnosed previous to that with, um, iron deficiency anemia. And so I was like, well, I had, I was still nursing her up until she was about two. So, uh, I'm like, I bet if I had no iron, she has no iron. So is one of the things where you diagnose iron deficiency by people eating weird things, craving Toilet paper and chalk and really? rocks and they eat that. weird things. Yeah, I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the things in pregnancy. It's very common in pregnancy where pregnant women would want to eat like kitty litter and just different things like this. <laughs> mm. And it was an iron deficiency. And um, so I took her in to have her her labs checked. I guess this was January. So I had her labs checked in January, and they're like, "No, her iron's fine, but her hemoglobin's a little low." So her blood levels were just a little low, and um, they're like, "It's probably viral." No big deal. Bring her back in a couple of weeks. Right. Well, a couple of weeks turned into months because life, you know. Yep. Um, and then she woke up one. She was sleeping a lot was the other thing. Like, I just thought I had a good sleeper, but she'd probably be sleeping 12 to 18 hours a day. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, and again, it wasn't one of those things that tipped me off yet, you know. Right. Um, it should have, but it didn't. And I'm not going to go back and go. I, right. I'm, I don't play that game. So, um, but... One morning she woke up with just this really striderous cough. And if you don't, a striderous, just uh, wheezing where I thought she had croup, where okay. she just couldn't breathe. So she'd breathe in and, and it'd whistle. Yeah. And oh, then she'd sure. cough and it would, sure. it, it was just a bark. Yep. And I'm like, oh, she has croup. And so I called my husband and said, can you just write me a script for prednisone so I don't have to take her in? So a steroid. <laughs> yep. And um, he's like, you know, I'm really busy today. Just just call and see if you can get her into the pediatrician, which I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he was busy because, um, her immune system was so low that it, the prednisone would not have been good for her because it hurts your immune system and it would have just been, yeah, it would have been worse. So anyway, I took her in, um, and they did some more labs and her, I, I remember, getting a phone call that was 10 30 in the morning. I got a phone call from the, from the physician, not the nurse, which I knew right then. It's not a good yeah, sign. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. So this was like three 30 in the afternoon and he calls. And I remember in the conversation, hemoglobin 4.8, which a normal child should have a blood level of about 11 to 13. Mm. So she had nothing. Her platelets, which are what, uh, which what clots your blood were like 50 and they should be in the two hundreds. Like wow. she, and Jeez. I just remember these conversations. And then he said, heme oncologist go to Sanford ER. Oh, and my brain just went, Oh, so I remember. So then I, I called my husband and said, do you have clinic this afternoon? He goes, yeah, I think I have one more patient. I said, you'll want to cancel it meet us. And he's a physician at Avera. So again, yep. we had different, but there's no pediatric oncologist at Avera. So we had to go to Stanford. Um, anyway, the, uh, the, I called him and he just meet me there. And my daughter, my oldest daughter was three at this point. And I remember calling one of my friends and just kind of giving her a little bit of the information. And I dropped her off at her house and I said, I have no idea when I will be back to pick her up. And she goes, nope, oh. we got it. And wow. that was the point at which, and it sounds so awful, but I then forgot about Elise. Like my brain just went, okay, Elise is fine. I, 
I, I took her off the beam of priority. When you have a good village, when you have good friends, good family that you just know, okay, I don't have to worry about her. Right. And whenever I come back for her, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. And, um, so anyway, we went to Stanford ER and, uh, we went to the hospital and later that evening she was diagnosed with leukemia and, um, blood transfusions and platelet transfusions later. And we began our journey of chemo. What was that like? I mean, obviously you're going through it, but like, when you hear that diagnosis and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're, you're calling Bryce saying, Hey, shut down what your afternoon, mm-hmm. get to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what is that? So, what does that feel like? What so is that? I had the advantage. Well, and I, I'm not even sure if it was an advantage, but I knew as soon as he told me that probably what I was looking at, that I was looking at leukemia right. because her, her immune system was so low and I just knew the signs of that. And, um, so when we had the official diagnosis, it, it wasn't a shock to me because I'd already started to rationalize that in my head. Sure. But it first, it physically knocks the wind out of you Yeah. when you're looking at your infant daughter, toddler daughter, and knowing that she is, she's in for the fight of her life, right? you know, um, and that cancer, the word just takes on this life of its own. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has, you know, we can all hear cancer. We hear cancer all the time right? Uh, around everybody, different diagnosis of cancer. And there's so many different kinds and, and, um, but until it affects your household until it walks through the door, right? it doesn't take on a life. It right. just has, it's just a word. And then it becomes, you know, tangible. Almost a person in the family. Yeah. To right. Extent. Mm-hmm. How did you, did you get to like, you know, when we, when we talk about whether it's us internally or other friends or whatever, or other people that have gone through, cause that's a, that's a traumatic event. Absolutely. You know, did you, did you get to the point of, you know, sort of the paralyzation mm-hmm. of saying, what if, what if this progresses? What if we lose our beautiful daughter? Mm-hmm. That, that thing is a thing to work through. And did, did you guys, you personally, you mm-hmm. and Bryce hit that wall? How did you guys work through um, that? Was there actually a conversation that just kind of, you know, so there are a couple of, of, of things that I remember that, that were events that, that got me to that point. Um, I stayed in the hospital with Amelia. She was in the hospital for nine days after her initial diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And, um, I stayed with her the first night, Bryce and I sort of, uh, traded off staying, staying with her. And I remember the first night that I came home, I think it was maybe two or three days after her diagnosis. And I came home and I walked past her bedroom and she was not in it. And I just, I was, I just broke down. I was like, my daughter, my beautiful daughter is in the hospital. She is not in her crib. She is not in her room. She is not playing with the toys that she should. She's hooked up to machines and, and, and trying to survive. And, um, that was the first time that it hit me. Cause I'm a very good compartmentalizer. I'm just like, okay, this is the mode we're in. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And we're just going to handle it and do it. And so that was the first time that it hit me what we were really doing. Right. And, um, 
And then the second time was probably a month or two months in. And I wasn't sleeping, obviously. Like, I mean, that goes without saying. I just wasn't sleeping. I was constantly checking on her constantly. You know, I was like in night nurse mode. And, and, uh, I just remember going, I can't do this. I cannot, this is not sustainable. This is not something that I can do for the five years of treatment or three years of treatment that she will be under. I can't do it. And so I just remember having a conversation with God going, I have to give her back to you and not in a, not in a, um, she's not mine, but in a, I know that you have given her to me. My story and her story are intertwined, but I don't get to have her story. That's hers. And so you've loaned her to me for however long I have her. And so I had to rationalize the fact that she was not always a permanent. I can't even, I don't even know how to, how to describe it, but she was not if she wasn't a permanent structure in my physical world, that I would be okay. Hmm. So I just had to mm-hmm. give her back to God and go, I am going to trust you for however long I have her. I'm going to trust you to just know better than I do. Sure. That's powerful. It, it yeah. was. And, it's and really it, powerful. I think it was the only way that I could, I could survive because otherwise I was not going to be good to anybody else. How did, so. I guess, how did you and Bryce kind of support each other through the process? I mean, that's a, you, <sighs> you talk about taking shifts at the hospital. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, and Bryce obviously coming from his background, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a notorious, he seems fairly calm when he's in his kind of, he is his work mode. And so I just, is, but I mean, trying to balance that career with the family life mm-hmm. and, and your life and just, that's going to be overwhelming. And just, I don't even know how you would yeah. start that process. That's, you know. I, I don't even know. I'm, um, I love my husband and he is great at his job. He is not the greatest in a crisis. Sure. Like he sort of just, he sort of shuts down a bit. Um, and, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. He, I think he'd be the first one to say that, that there's a reason that he's the psychiatrist and I was the acute care nurse Okay. because we just, we, we, we look at things differently. So mm-hmm. his support was really Elise. With my older daughter, he really, he, he was able to pick her up and take her to school every day, um, and, and do those sort of things. And, um, you know, he gave me the break when I needed it, but, uh, I I think it was a couple years actually after her diagnosis that I really processed through everything and that, that we, that, that I really understood what all we did. Yeah. You know, so, but I mean, it was, I, my parents were a huge support. My friends were a huge support. Um, our friends, I should say, they weren't just mine, but our families, the village, we always talk about a village, but it's, it's so true. You just need, you just need family and, you know, my, my in-laws, everybody was just whatever we Mm -hmm. needed, whatever we needed. So. Well, being a parent, that'd be one of the, I can't, I one of the worst things you could hear. I mean, mm-hmm. or one of the hardest things to hear. I can't even imagine just, just mm-hmm. at that age kind of starting that process. And I guess how is, I mean, she's obviously a little bit older yep. now. You've gone through it. She's, yes. So, she's talk about her. Cause she's, she's very unique. Oh, and I, so, I've seen her at, at so some final. If you moments. have never been around a child who, um, 
survived a traumatic event as as a child mm-hmm. or been been uh, diagnosed with something at a young age that they have had to overcome you are missing out these kids are just there is a special quality to these kids i always say that the spirit that kept her alive is what's going to kill me because <laughs> she is so she's so articulate these kids and it's not just her it is it is they were their childhood was sort of stolen from them in a sense. And so they had to just grow up. And, and I say to you that the siblings of these kids with critical care diagnoses or, um, special needs diagnoses are, they are the rock stars. They are the superheroes because they are the ones that always are being told no. We can't do this because of your sibling. Sure. We are, you, you can't have friends over because, you know, Amelia's immune system can't handle it. Sure. You, we can't have people over. We can't go out. We can't do. And they're the ones who are always taking a backseat. And, um, so yeah, that, but it, it really does bring a special dynamic to the family because you do have one kid who, who is always being given things and, you know, we, we get to go places because of her. And so it's hard to, it's a hard to, to include siblings and in that and make them feel special as well. Right. So, um, yeah, Amelia is a force. She's just a force to be. She can throw down on the dance floor too. She's, (laughs) she is, she's, I have, I have two very different, very special kids that I am so grateful (laughs) to be their mom. You know, and that, that brings up a point, too, like you're talking about, I think a lot of people's initial reaction or initial thought is always the the person, in your case, mm-hmm. Amelia, the child who has cancer, mm-hmm. but you have this sort of ripple effect of everybody else that it affects, your, your other daughter, you as a caregiver, your husband as a caregiver, even your other daughter as a caregiver, she's, yeah. she's giving care, too, mm-hmm. so... Um, it's always an interesting thing to say that, you know, I think most people focus on mm-hmm. the one who's diagnosed, but even in talking to you, I mean, that's very, it's a huge thing and it's awesome that she went through not awesome. She went through it, but awesome that she went through and is good mm-hmm. and just the way that it's impacted her now, mm-hmm. but everybody is a support system around and has the impact directly too. So mm-hmm. everybody is affected by cancer or some diagnosis like that. It is. Absolutely. My sister, who is a writer, um, she wrote the story early on in, in Amelia's diagnosis that was called the death of a dragon and where she likened cancer to the dragon that was always at your dinner table, always at your door. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you could ignore that it was there. Like you were having a good day. It was having a good week, a good day, but it was always there, just sort of in the background. Sometimes it would sit at your dinner table, but sometimes it was just outside the door, yeah. you know, and it was such a great way to, uh, to think about it because it, it, it was, it was always there and still even now. So, um, she is five years post-treatment, um, and in Ned, as they call it, no evidence of disease. Um, and so we now in May of this year, we were considered cancer free. She was officially considered cancer free. So, um, yes, we are so, so grateful. So blessed. God was, you know, we, I don't know how I would have gotten through it without a faith base and without just 
the village and without that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, now, even now with, uh, like the, the pandemic specifically when everybody came into their homes and everybody's wearing masks and everybody's hand sanitizing and the PTSD from that, oh. where we were quarantined for so long because her immune system was nothing. She had nothing sure. to fight anything off. Right. And so we were isolated from family. We were isolated from friends. We couldn't go out. I, I remember initially calling all of my, um, my other moms from, from the, you know, cancer support groups and things like, are you doing okay? Because it just brings back all of those, all of those memories all of those times where, where we were wearing masks out in the world and, you know, just so we didn't bring anything home. And right. I didn't even realize there were cancer support groups. So that's, there are. Oh yeah. I yeah. know. I, I mean, it makes sense, but it just, it's something I, I have, I've had the honor of not having to think about. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's, yeah. I'm part of one called momcologists okay. <laughs> where we just, you learn way too many things about the medical world if you didn't already right. just because of your kid's diagnosis. Wow. And I'm grateful that her diagnosis had an end, but there are so many that are fighting still and not even in the cancer world, but just in, um, you know, we, we also have, have met a lot of kids with, um, you know, heart issues when they were born and they were born with breathing issues because they were born premature and just all sorts of, all sorts of other things that are a constant in their world and they will be forever a constant. Right. And we had a beginning an acute an acute phase and an end date for all intensive purposes. Right. You know, she's in survivor clinic now. She just goes once a year and we make sure that everything's fine and you know. No, it's, it's gotta be a, I mean, it's a large community because they do, they do, quite a bit of activity here for fundraising in the mm-hmm. hospital. We have a pretty unique, I think, kind of setup, don't we? In we Sioux do. Falls from a treatment perspective. We do. Um, I, I've been involved with uh, children's miracle network and, uh, cure kids cancer, which are all, um, offshoots of the Stanford foundation. And, um, they, so we have, uh, raised, we raised so much. The community is so supportive. Um, for these kids and 100% of the money there stays local and it's yeah. just the way it is. And so we've been, we've been greatly blessed with the support of the yep. community. Well, the radiothon can make a grown man break down and cry <laughs> oh, while he's driving. For sure. I, for oh. sure. Sometimes I, I catch myself listening. I'm like, Oh, I got to free compose myself where I leave my vehicle because this is, this is a little too real for me at this current moment. And it catches you off guard sometimes when you don't know it's on and you turn the radio on and it's, but those, I mean, those are the stories that kind of make it, you know, kind of make it hit home for those maybe who haven't experienced it, but it's, it's a tremendous kind of facility that we have and a program that they put on here. And, and I can't imagine going through it, but it's, you know, I'm really appreciative of you, you sharing your story with us and kind of spending time with us. So yeah, we appreciate having you for sure. Absolutely. So thanks for having me. It was, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. I well, now you can it. take off and, and support your daughter's birthday and, and have a little bit of fun and focus on driver's ed. And oh, <laughs> that's a whole new thing. We'll have another episode about that. Yes. Teaching kids to drive. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sacrificing your vehicle and your insurance. So, well, again, you know, thank you, Gretchen, for thank coming you guys today. Thank you very much. I we appreciate look you. forward to kind of talking to you further in the future. And, and Anytime. Thank you. So, um, check us out online at societyrewired.com, uh, social media platforms at Society Rewired, um, and 
Okay, it's a call to action. I didn't even do that today. Almost yeah, missed we didn't it, do it. But We're at, what is our call to action? I'm not even. Gretchen, what's, what do you think should be a good call to action? You kind of mm. let us down this road a little bit here. I don't know. Check on check on your friends. Check on your your family. Check on people. Yeah. You know, right now with the the isolation that everybody has across the the world, really. You know, check on your people. Make yeah. sure everybody's doing okay. Build your village. Build, Build your village. Your village. Just. Out of nowhere. Out of the park. Right there. Put the sports analogy in. <laughs> build your village. I Up really like that. Knocked so. it out. All right. Make sure to build your village. And, <laughs> and of course, don't forget, when the sun goes down, the stars come out. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.